Hey there, folks. My name is Johnny, and this is the Analytical Songwriter Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you finish more songs. In today's episode, I'll be talking about Stephen Pressfield's The Art of War and how it can help you stay inspired. So stay tuned. So I recently read The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, and I'm excited to unpack some of my biggest takeaways with y'all. I initially encountered this book in a list of recommendations for writers, and as I was reading it, quickly realized that it's a great resource for any creative. It's a bona fide manual for overcoming your creative blocks and tapping into a mindset that'll help you to get more things done. The author, Stephen Pressfield, It's a great case study because he published his first book, Legend of Bagger Vance, at the age of 52, and I love this story because I'm 35 and I haven't ever recorded anything that has been a commercial success. I worry all the time about being too old, and Stephen Pressfield is proof that you don't need to buy that kind of negative self-talk. I think it's really easy to get stuck in these types of self-limiting beliefs about what success is supposed to look like, and this book has a lot of great practical advice for working against and overcoming that. Unfortunately, it's easy for that impulse to be stifled by all kinds of things like the fear of failure, the fear of judgment, and the pressure that existing in a hyper-exposed social media space places on creators to compete with one another and with all media throughout time. This book has plenty to say about all of that. So my first takeaway, we are in a war with resistance and we should treat it as the enemy. The title of this book evokes Sun Tzu's classical Chinese military treatise, The Art of War, for a reason. Creativity as far as Pressfield is concerned, is a war against resistance. Resistance is the force that keeps us from realizing our creative potential. It can manifest in a ton of different ways. And the worst thing is that it can grow in its capacity to manifest. Just when you think you've managed to beat resistance in one presentation, it'll switch up and appeal to some other aspect of your personality. For me, This resistance often presents as an apprehension to commoditize my art. I grapple with the ethics of making art and putting it out there for sale. So it's easy for me to tell myself that it's disingenuous to put myself out there on social media and market myself. The worst part of all of this is that there is some truth to it. Resistance will take half-truths and present them to you in a light that discourages you and keeps you from acting. I really am concerned about my inclination to seek validation from others through my art. But the truth is that plenty of people are honest and sharing their work honestly with an audience. The two are by no means mutually exclusive, but this is the story that resistance has me believe. Resistance is ultimately a manifestation of fear. It could be fear of failure, and it's hard to imagine putting something out there for the world to hear and getting no response. Maybe even the fear of judgment keeps you from sharing. It hurts when you work on something and people have mean stuff to say about it. One of the most shocking things I read in this book was that it's equally likely that we fear success. I've encountered this with others and also in myself. I often think about what it would mean to be successful. 
I'd have to change a lot about myself and my own inclination toward inaction. Besides that, I'd have to grapple with the reality that I may not be the humble person that I am able to believe that I am if I am successful. This is all resistance, and the scariest thing is that it's all compelling. So the most important thing is to realize that resistance is an enemy, and that your creative impulse is always at war with that enemy. You can either be an ally to your creativity, or be in league with resistance. The struggle against resistance may be painful, but the rewards are likely beyond imagining. Second takeaway, be a pro by keeping your appointments with the muses. So the second biggest lesson I took away from this book was that anyone can become pro in their desired field as long as they show up. Our concept of professional creative is woefully distorted. Our highly industrialized view of the professional is someone that has a degree, has spent years in the field, and makes scores of money in that field. It's a tempting story to believe because for the last 100 years, most people have been told that the path to success is through a rigid education system that will land you a job with a reliable company or in a prestigious industry. While this approach has generated many pros, it is not what we should truly consider being pro. Stephen Pressfield's second section within this book is called Turning Pro, and it's chock full of strategies for doing so, but let's unpack what it is to be a pro. A pro is someone who recognizes that we are at war with resistance and decides to actively engage the enemy of resistance every day. Notice that definition speaks nothing of outcomes. The professional, as Pressfield puts it, plays for keeps. They not only do the thing, but show up and do it consistently, regardless of how they feel. Pressfield juxtaposes this with the amateur, who is a weekend warrior that puts the creative struggle down when it's convenient. I want to say a little bit about the polarity that Pressfield has set up here, because I think that there is some space to destigmatize the idea of the amateur. The world needs amateur musicians. I worry about the sentiment that the amateur is somehow less committed to the beauty of music than the professional musician. I mostly worry about this idea because it's only the highly specialized industrialization of music that has made being a musician a career option. In the past, people made their own entertainment and music. This meant that being a professional musician made very little sense outside of a few select situations. Even still, for most of history, it was largely regrettable to have a child that aspired to artistry. I believe that many of the issues of insincere art arise from the effect that mass markets and capitalism have wrought. Anyone who is interested in undermining this influence should feel proud of being an amateur and realize that the end goal of such an endeavor would entail de-emphasizing mass monoculture. So now that I've clarified that, turning pro is really more relevant to someone who finds themselves possessed by the idea of attaining material success within the confines of industrialization. As much as I hate the reality of this structure, I'd be a damned liar if I didn't say I would like to be successful within it. So what does it mean to turn pro? It means that one should keep their dates with the muses. It means dispensing with the mysterious elements of creativity and slogging through the development of craft. 
This doesn't mean to do so cynically. There are far better options to make money than music. So there is something that drives the professional beyond financial incentive. And it's the opportunity to be in conversation with forces beyond this realm. We invite the forces of creativity when we show up every day. That can look like scheduling your time for writing, writing a song a day, or plenty of other practices. The most important thing is that you put the work in every day to complete a meaningful task in your field or endeavor. This type of ritualized activity is the single best way to contend with resistance and send it running. Third takeaway. Don't be a hack. Think territory versus hierarchy. The last big lesson I want to share is the difference between thinking in terms of hierarchy versus thinking in terms of territory. I found this useful because I compare myself to others all the time. It's an easy thing to do in the age of social media. I'm not blind to the fact that there are hundreds, perhaps even thousands, of musicians, songwriters, producers, engineers, or whatever that are better than I am now or will ever be. This thought scares the shit out of me, and it makes me feel like garbage. I hate that it's true, and it's the kind of thought that risks making me a bitter person. What Pressfield has shown me, however, is that giving power to this thought is the quickest way to become a hack. We've all probably heard the term hack, but it's sort of a nebulous term. Pressfield defines it as someone whose creativity is determined by hierarchical thinking. When we compare ourselves, we're being hacks. Of course, there are people who are better than us. That was never not true. In fact, most of your favorite musicians would likely say that there are others who are far better than them. Very few musicians are narcissists on par with Kanye West. The moment we think hierarchically, not only are we likely to be disappointed with our accomplishments, we're also likely to guard our own standing and hoard the things that we've learned and the lessons that we have to share with the world. This makes us insecure and useless to everyone around us. So what is the opposite of being a hack and thinking hierarchically? Answer. Thinking territorially. I am the only person that does what I do and sees life from my perspective. Creating from my experience and unique blend of interests is my territory. It obviously doesn't matter that the world wants songs that are relatable. I'm going to be the one going out there and writing songs about abstruse philosophical subjects. I would do that if it got me success. And clearly, I would also do it if it didn't. You have a territory. You have a unique perspective that informs your work. You may not be the best guitarist. You may not be the best pianist, composer, lyricist. But that's not the point. You have a way that you would approach those things even if you were the last person on earth. The way you engage your creativity should make you feel whole and reveal more about the territory you occupy. The minute you start to create with this mindset, you cease being a hack. So to recap, realize that as a creative person, you are always in a war with resistance. The way that you fight that war is by committing to the act of creation by keeping your appointments with the muses. This means making something even when you don't feel inspired, 
and especially when you don't feel inspired. And if you find yourself judging your creative output as lacking, stop to consider if you're not being a hack. Assess your work with respect to the territory you occupy that is uniquely you. The act of creation should give back as much as it takes. Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art has a lot to offer, and I recommend picking up a copy. It's a quick read, and it's great to keep around for when you feel like you need a little inspiration. That brings us to the end of this podcast. I hope you found this helpful and that you go out there and write more songs. Be sure to share your work because you never know who you'll inspire and that's part of the beauty of being an artist. This podcast was researched, written, and recorded by yours truly. If you have a podcast you need help producing or want custom music or sonic branding, check out my services at weirdwonderfulsound.com. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time.